Hello and welcome to another Parents at Work podcast, where we cover a range of topics for the working parent to thrive. All our podcasts aim to offer useful tips and practical examples that support you to successfully balance career, work and family. And we know it's not easy. If you have any questions, please send them to info at parentsatwork.com.au. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to the Parents at Work Teen Time podcast. These clinics are an opportunity to dip into a short Q&A session and ask for yourself something that may help another parent going through a similar issue. The format for the show is usually the same. I do a short introduction, we'll have then some questions that people have sent in to ask me or are the most common questions I get asked in a private parenting session and um, that's the end of the show. But today we're going to sandwich it a little bit. I am going to do a short introduction, then I'm going to have some questions. We're going to jump straight in. I had two pertinent ones and then I'm going to give you a top 10 list of life skills that I feel are some of the key ones that we need to embed in ourselves and the way we parent. Now, we should really start off by asking what is a life skill? Because it's actually quite an important conversation. According to Wikipedia, which can I say is not always my first go-to, life skills are abilities for adaptive and positive behavior that enable humans to deal effectively with the demands and the challenges of life. This concept is also termed as psychosocial competence. Now, the last one I do agree with. I do agree with the fact that there is a certain psychological social confidence and competence that we need to equip our young people with that they're not being equipped with at the moment. Hence, the enormous and inordinate rise of anxiety in young people. I believe that our main job is to raise independent young adults who are equipped to deal with what's happening in the world around them so that they can be responsible and accountable. They can know who they are. They know what love is. They live love. They know they are from love and part of love. They know truth. They know joy. They know playfulness. They know how to be engaged in life, how to be committed to their job, how to care. And most of all, they know how to be themselves in each and every situation. Because, you know, if we look back and and let's go back to the day they were born, they are truly amazing just for being here. It's a miracle of life that we are able to grow these beings in in our bodies and then give birth to them and then they grow up and become the adults. I mean, it's just extraordinary. So we must celebrate that always regardless than the, than the behavior that we see, which as we know is always a coping mechanism for something. So we really need to build this psychosocial competency to be able to give them the skills to be able to handle the crazy world that we now live in, which I'm sure is very different from the, the world that I grew up in. So what would you say were the things that parents needed to skill their kids up with what do the pressures of today look like hmm well um, I don't think that kids really know how to value themselves how they how to value what they bring and know who they are over 
the identification with what they do. And we see this in adults who define themselves as accountants, as business managers, as marketing experts. Um, we're all told that we need to be experts in something now, that we need to be leaders, that anyone who um, you know just works as an assistant or just works in a cafe or just works um, in a shop or just works for council. It's not quite the same as, you know, high flying CEOs. And there's nothing wrong with being any of those things. In fact, every single job that we do is vital to the workings of our world, but we must not be defined by them. They are the job that we do. I remember listening to a program about depression in the acting world and one of the actors said that he has um, he's very clear with himself it's a job that he does it is not who he is so he never describes himself as an actor he says he works as an actor and that's a very healthy way to approach what you do so that it doesn't define you so that if perchance there is a time where you have been made redundant or you're without work you are not then defined by being a failure uh, because you're not doing what you are here to do. Um, if we make the focus about what we bring to the world and we keep that commitment and dedication, then we value who we are above what we do. And then we can walk and, and demonstrate that and role model that for our children, which is um, and the most amazing life skill that they can start out life with. So the questions that I had, the two questions that I had for today's show were this one. I have been a stay-at-home mum and so have felt it was part of my job to clean up after everyone because I had time to do so. But now I've got a part-time job and I'm starting to see that no one does anything around the house. How do I turn this around? Well, that's a really good question because um, when we... Uh, parent and do everything for our children what happens is that they have a sense of entitlement that their time is more valuable than your time and you end up doing everything um, on your own while they sit on their phones while they go on xbox while they go out and have a social life uh, they feel that because they're tired you know they have the right to lie down um, while you tidy up at dinner they may decide that they've had a you know a bad dinner they're in a bit of bad mood and they're not going to help all of these things come because they haven't been taught from a very young age that you're part of a house you're part of the home and we work together we work as a team and we're not really equipping them to go out and live on their own or work on their own because what happens is, um, so for example, um, if we clean up in their bedroom after them all the time, when they move out, they find that you know their, their bedroom just becomes a mess. It actually becomes the reality of what they're living in their head and what they've lived in their life the irresponsibility, um, which is fine, you know, like it's not, not as if anybody is going to um, lose their life over a messy bedroom. Oh, well, actually, there might be a food group growing in there that could be quite harmful uh, should it be eaten. But hey, let's not go there. We're not going to, hopefully, hopefully they don't eat what's left in their bedrooms. Although um, there are some boys who've told me some stories of needing to do <laughs> to do that. Oh, moving swiftly on. Um, 
so yes think about the things that are actually really vitally important like paying their bills um, if they don't become responsible and accountable for uh, doing something on time they may transfer that to not paying their bills which means they might actually not be a very good tenant which means they might actually lose the the roof over their heads so equipping them to understand how to run a home how to pay bills on time uh, is, a, is a vital life skill you know washing ironing cleaning um, very important to to uh, to cover all of those things it's also important for them to understand that uh, they need to be accountable for the choices that they make so when they make a choice to do something there is a consequence to that choice so if they choose um, not to help around the house then what consequence are you putting in there for them do you just carry on as normal so that they don't realize that there was any problem with not helping up after um, clear up after dinner uh, do you carry on picking up their clothes after them uh, so that they magically reappear in their bedroom so they actually don't realize that they should have put their wash their washing in the wash basket themselves perhaps even offered to put the wash on little things um, actually can be transferable to a lot of different areas and and think about that in an in an office situation you know we if they are expecting someone to clear up after them in an office situation who's to say that um, they're not they're going to be responsible with um, completing a project and completing a job how many young people have you had in your businesses where you have had to clear up after them and it's frustrated you and is this perhaps a reflection of the fact that someone at home has constantly been helicoptering around them you know clearing up their mess for them um, my son doesn't seem to be able to handle being around strangers he has been like this from young he never really wanted to order takeaway and answer the door but now um, I'm seeing that he lacks the confidence to uh, speak to people and is actually quite shy as a result is there anything I can do to turn this around well um, do you know what this is really this is really important from um, for, for parents with young kids um, we need to encourage them to do little things like that they seem innocuous at the time you know what does it matter I'll do it I'll call I'll do this but we take away the ability to pick up the phone and make those unimportant phone calls so that we build the skills and the confidence to pick up the phone and make some important phone calls such as do you have any um, are you looking for any work um, um, hello I'm calling up about the job that I saw um, hello I didn't get a call back and I'm just interested to know if there was anything I could do to improve my performance at another interview um, to, imp to improve my interview skills you know all those things they're important they're life skills but they start with perhaps ordering takeaway and young people now can get away with ordering everything online oh well heck we can get away with ordering everything online or sending an email but the soft skills the human skills those are not being nurtured hence the rise in anxiety when you get face to face so we really need to encourage our young people to do as much as possible face to face with adults with people um, so that they can again learn how to do that now um, 
obviously when we get to this point a lot of people say well you know what about stranger danger I needed to you know I, I never wanted them to to you know talk to strangers etc etc but what we're not teaching them there is the life skill of how to discern who who we need to be concerned about and who we don't and just as an aside um, unfortunately the statistics show that uh, the vast majority of abuse that happens in a young person's life happens from someone they know um, a family member not so much strangers so we you know I think we we need to be uh, aware of the stranger danger and how that can cap us giving the, our children the skills to um, to discern for themselves when they're growing up and that is the focus of my life skills my top 10 life skills they are um, life skills that teach young people how to discern for themselves before I start the life skills these are things that we can share with our teenagers our children in our lives and maybe the children in our community around us our nephews and nieces but they're most importantly ones that we need to clock for ourselves. So if you have a pen and paper, perhaps you could set yourself on a smidgen of a program looking at how you would deal with these life lessons and whether or not you can put you you can actually offer these to yourself before you offer them to your to the younger people in your home. Number one, you're very smart already. Very, very smart already. Your life smart. Uh, your look inside before looking outside for answers and you'll find that you're actually very equipped to deal with what's in front of you and if you're not equipped you actually probably know who to go to to ask for the skill to be able to handle what's in front of you an example of that would be if you uh, don't know how to boil an egg chances are you know who to go to to ask how to boil an egg if you don't know how to deal with a situation with a friend, chances are you know who the right person to go and ask about that particular friend is. Number two, let them know that, because again, they know this already, that there is more to understand about life than they see with the naked eye. They understand that what we see with our eyes is just a small part of what there is to see in the world that we feel so much and actually to give credit to what we feel and just sit for a moment and say mm, why am I feeling a little unsteady when we do anger management programs or we do anxiety programs it always comes back to what you're feeling in the body and what you're feeling above what you're seeing or hearing so again remind them not everything is tangible number three they have a ripple effect. They don't not only affect others with that ripple effect, with what they say and they do, but that ripple also comes back to us. I remember the waves I used to love making in the bath. I used to practice kind of, you know, just creating these enormous waves and, and enjoying getting battered by them when they came back. And life's a little like that, you know, what you put out comes back to you. Even if it's a big ocean, still what comes out, it comes back. The waves, the waves keep coming. And if you're out and you're, you're bobbing up and down in them, or you're being battered by the surf, you can see that there are two ways to approach what comes back to us. So just be aware and really start embedding that what comes out, what you put out is very likely to come back to you. So 
put what you put out, make it about love and about care and about kindness. Number four, set your foundation for the day. Look for something that you do in the morning that is consistent, that sets a standard for yourself. Say, for example, I always make my bed. I make my bed because then I know that whatever happens in my day, I come back to the love that I dedicated to myself in the morning by taking the time to make my bed. I have a success. I've done something for myself at the start of the day. Whatever that is for you, make it your foundation for the day. It might be going to the gym. It might be having a shower. It might be putting cream on, but be consciously present every time you do it and know that it's part of your foundation. Number five, um, how much are you creating your own drama? Knowing this is a massive life lesson. Um, do we create our own mess? Do we create our own hurdles? Can we can't do anything about anybody else's behavior, but we can do everything about our own. And that's an amazing life skill to know. Number six, oh, be kind to yourself. Build a relationship with that kindness. Appreciate who you are and what you have on offer. And long before you do anything, it's what we were saying about being defined by what you do. Bring yourself self-love, self-respect, and make that again the foundation for all your other behaviors. Number seven is to build a relationship with your body. That way you know who you are. All of this is about knowing who you are, the whole top 10. Build that relationship with your body because your body is an amazing barometer for when you're not feeling quite right, when you're feeling tired, when you're feeling a bit racy, um, all of those things, what food, activities, people, situations make you feel settled or unsettled, all that communication comes from the body and the brain interprets it. So the brain is not where you're getting it, you're getting the information from your body. So make it about the body first and let the brain um, tune in to what's happening in the body and translate that for you. Okay. Number eight is about community, really. It's about feeling yourself as part of a team, um, surrendering to that sense that you're not doing this on your own. So it might be in your family, it might be um, as part of a community group, or you know, they might say, look, it's part of their skating mates, it's part of their um, their, their besties or their, or their best friends or their family, or whatever it may be, you are part of. And that is a biological need in a human being to feel part of something and it's actually why we get ourselves into a little bit of a pickle because we work very hard to be part of something and sometimes go against what we maybe some of our standards and compromise some of those standards to stay part of that group might be the oh god when i was growing up it was you know um it was the smoking group i started smoking can i say one and a half cigarettes, um, I think probably in my entire life. But I used to hang around with them because they were cool. Heavens, goodness knows. Why, why, why? Anyway, moving on. Clearly the tension for me of not fitting in um, overrode my um, absolute knowing that smoking was foul, hence only ever smoking maybe a cigarette and a half my entire life, but sitting around with them for a lot longer life lesson number nine goes straight on from that. You've got to be honest about what's not working. If you have a coping strategy 
that's telling you something's not working. So mine was to go and sit with these people that I adored, but we were all clearly a little bit, you know, struggling to understand what was going on and therefore had coping mechanisms, coping strategies. Chances are, if your teen has one, they've, they're mirroring it from somewhere. Are they mirroring it for, from you or from people they've seen around them? So community, society, it may be alcohol. It may be the only way they can express their frustration is through um, restricting their food or self-harm or being foul with their mouths or slamming the door or shutting out the world or um, going on Xbox or staying on social media. All of those things are coping strategies. They are behaviors that tell you they don't have the social emotional skills to just be still in their body, to lie on the grass and look at the sky and play, you know, look at the clouds and consider the magnificence of the universe or whatever it is, you know. Um, be honest about what's not working. Criticizing yourself isn't the answer. It's just um, if you can build all of the others before you get to this one, then you actually have a sense that, you know, there's something that just needs to be let go of. And the moment you love yourself more than the thing that you're doing, the thing that you're doing actually drops away. So if you're eating sugar because you're exhausted and you address the exhaustion, you actually won't want the sugar. It won't have that control over you. And number 10 is to allow yourself to trust that you know what's true and what's right. You might well be following a well-worn groove that's worked very well for you up until now. And it might be that um, you just got to recognize that that groove is actually causing more harm than not. So in a house where something's just always run a particular way, but actually what you're seeing in your children is a lot of unhappiness, dysfunction, or, you know, angry, frustrated teenage behavior, then perhaps you need to look at what your groove is at home, what your normal is at home and say, hmm, I wonder if they're looking for more connection from us. I wonder if there is another way we can do this. I wonder if I'm working so hard that I'm actually not emotionally available. And just see, just see, just give yourself the space to consider maybe I haven't got this completely and maybe there's a deeper learning and awareness that I am ready for that I can bring into this. Nothing is going to change overnight but you will be amazed how fast it changes. Keep all of this in perspective. It, it, you know, life tries to keep you really small. It tries to think that you are incapable of parenting or you're parenting all wrong or because someone else is having a hissy fit it's all your fault you know we can only do something about our behavior we can't do anything about someone else's hissy fit we have to deal with how we respond to their hissy fit and the more we can be a lighthouse that is steady consistent um, you may call it boring I call it consistent I think it's what teenagers are looking for they're looking to know that something is going to be the way it was when they left it because in their head everything is changing so fast they don't know what way is up and what way is down so the more consistent we can be the more steady they become and all behavior is a form of communication so if they are spewing when their brain is rejigging 
and they're not handling something, then they may need new, a fresh approach to, um, to skills that they need to be able to handle what's going on. And so go back over those skills, see if there's anything that could be useful for you. The experiences they have shape the behavior that can be embed for the rest of their life if they're not aware of why they're doing what they're doing. So more we can teach the life skills that teach the awareness of why we do something, then they're going to be more equipped to deal with whatever comes their way. They are loved, they are loved and they are loved for being who they are, not what they do. They must know this. Have you told your kids how much you love and adore them? Have you told them how much you treasure them in your life? If they don't know on that level, they're going to look for that elsewhere because they need to know that they are loved and adored. You need to know that you're loved and adored. And you may be hurt by the fact that they're not showing you that you're loved and adored, but someone's waiting for someone else to, you know, kind of go first. And being the adult, maybe, just maybe, one of the biggest life lessons is that you may need to go first. If not you, then who? And if not now, then when? That's it for our top tips. Be awesome, be amazing, be consistent, be predictable, be reliable. Thank you so much for listening to this month's episode. Don't forget there are a ton of amazing audios on the Parents at Work website. Feel free to check them all out and check in for another Teen Time podcast coming to Parents at Work soon. <laughs>